Hello, and welcome to Captive Audience. I'm your host, sitting on the floor, Kelly Hayes, and our guest today is Caleb Cooper. Also sitting on the floor. <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about the show we just saw at the Arden called Treasure Island. Uh, first, I like to ask my guest a bunch of questions about where they're from, because Captive Audience talks about a person's context to what they're going to see. So sometimes somebody might have a different experience seeing a different uh, show and being something like an architect or a fellow theater friend. Or in this case, what do you do? Uh, I'm a baker. This will be fun. <laughs> so, so very far yeah, off from far theater. Off. Well, what is your experience with theater? Uh, very minuscule. Uh, just small acting things when I was younger that I moved away from uh, seeing some Broadway shows like Cats and Annie Warbucks that I wasn't too... Uh, you can say it's okay. Not too fond of, uh, unfortunately. And then, yeah, and then just uh, not much until just recently taking a improv class and finding my love for theater and acting again. So that it was a, it was a really good experience then, I guess. Seeing. Is this your first... Philadelphia regional uh, thing that you've seen besides Philly Improv? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen anything like that. That's what we do here on this podcast is we force all of our friends to just go to different shows with me and then talk to me about it at 9.28 at night on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so yeah. so let's talk about the show for a second. What is your what is your recommendation? Just a one-off recommendation. What would you would you say? How did you feel about it? I think you should go see it. I think anyone can have fun, but if you have a child in your family, like, or if you have a niece that you like to bring to things, uh, or a family friend that's a child, what I'm saying is, if you have a child, bring them there. You'll have even more fun. Oh yeah, I think a really cool part about the show was the audience interaction. Yeah. Um, seeing a bunch of kids like respond back, and I feel like it's a little bit more appropriate when it's kids yelling back instead of adults, which did happen at a Broadway show that I went to. It's really it's really cool when kids yell back at the stage, like, no, like, don't go there. Or, it's really cute. So I, I agree. I think it's a good show to bring your kids to. I think it's it was I, me and Caleb are 24, and we had really fun times, and I think the, the adults were laughing. I think it's a show for all ages. But yep. just know that there are going to be a lot of kids there when you go. Yeah, you can definitely had fun, and we made fun with it, um, <laughs> but I think you can get the most enjoyment out of it with children pleasant yeah. with you. Yeah, so the show, a quick recap, is the show is about um, a young girl named Emily who is pretending that she is a pirate, and without getting too much into spoiler territories, um, it's her adventure with a bunch of her friends that she sort of made up um, going through this adventure and finding buried treasure. And it's a really interesting tale with a lot of different characters. And that's all that's all we're going to tell you because we really want you to go see this show. And uh, this is the spoiler warning section of it. So if you want to go see the show and don't want spoilers, we recommend that you go see the show before you listen to this podcast. What did you think of the music in this show? I thought it was very fun. I think the sound design overall and volume and just the presence of it in the show um, was done really well and produced really well. The backing sound as well as the people who were playing instruments on stage, the violin and the accordion uh, were performed really well even while they were still singing and dancing around. Yeah, I thought they were also really well composed and uh, in a very good way reminded me a lot of Lazy Town-esque composing. The very upbeat and pop, but also keeping... In, in, a, in a good way. In a good way, in a good in way. In a good way, yeah. uh, The sound designer and composer was Alex Bechtel. Mm. He actually did both the sound and the composer, which is pretty cool, which means he wrote... He also wrote the lyrics to the songs and oh, everything. Okay. So he wasn't just uh, in charge of the music and the sound. He was also in charge of writing the songs, which is impressive. That's really cool. Yeah, um, that's we really liked his music that he wrote. And then Toby Hulse is the playwright. And originally the show is was a book 
and then it went to London. And Caleb and I, neither of us are familiar with that. So we won't talk about that. But if you want the, the links to, I don't know, a trailer maybe, and um, a trailer for the London show, and the book will be in the show notes. But what did you, so what did you think of the blending of the script and the, and the play? There weren't as many, I will say for myself, there, uh, my only criticism for the songs is that, I saw, and I saw this on a review, uh, and I fully agree with them, uh, there were not enough songs. <laughs> like, I think there should have actually been more songs, maybe shorter, and maybe, I don't know, I just think that there was, like, a lot of talking, and I feel like, a, like, if you're gonna sing about rum and everything, I kind of just wanted there to be more songs. Just embrace the camp of the show, and just, you know, the kid nature. I can understand that. I think the songs were really well placed, though. They hit every beat. Uh, I really enjoyed the fact that I think when I talk about that I want more, maybe it was, when I think about it, maybe, maybe you're correct in the fact that it, I want more songs, and it, there sh- I feel like there should be more songs because I love Alex Bechtel's songs, and maybe yeah. it wouldn't have been appropriate put in more songs and I just wanted more songs because the writing on every song was truly so good. I just like wanted him to write that show could have been like a kid's opera. Like and it would have been so brilliant. I can't speak to how much like I loved the songs in this show. Um so maybe I'm letting my love of, of Alex maybe cloud a little bit of what because I I personally sometimes got a little confused with the script. And so, I mean, you know, some of the songs were very simple and they, and they had, I mean, I'm a sucker for acoustic guitars, but they also would sometimes repeat lyrics a lot. Like there was one about getting supplies for treasure to get treasure. And that was oh, very that repetitive, was my, but it was a good song. That was my favorite song yeah. actually, just because it was, I think I wasn't paying attention for a bit, but once they started like adding more supplies and I started realizing what they were trying to do, I was like, oh, this is kind of good. Yeah, it was a great song. And I think sometimes you can focus a narrative with songs sometimes, because if you focus on that one, sometimes lines in a script go by so fast. And the nature of the show was that the songs kind of emphasized important parts and, um, catchy songs were written about them and that's kind of how it went about yeah you know i get those points i i think i didn't particularly need more songs i i think they were all good and i think they were well placed within the entirety of the show like exactly where they needed to be and i think too much would have just oversaturated it or wouldn't have provided as much of a pop as they did um, where they were. They had a lot of emphasis where every song was placed, where the beginning songs that provided the, the theme and the energy, and the middle songs were more dramatic. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I liked the amount of songs that were present, but I can understand why you might have liked more based upon the quality. I'm such a them. musical nerd. <laughs> I just love music. I, th- I think I had enough. Of them, as it, as it was, I think it was pretty well de- uh, designed in the way that it, it, it was presented. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that it's, and I said this before, but just to wrap that part up, I, I do feel like it was enough songs. It was oh, enough. It, got, it, it, gotcha. was, it was enough songs and perfectly placed, perfectly timed. I, I literally, I mean, just like, yeah, can yeah. Alex, Be- Alex Bechtel just put out a CD and I'll buy it. Like, just do it. Like, you're it's so good. The songs were so good. I could do an album. Like, they could have made an album. I would have bought the album. Because they were so relatable to me as a 24-year-old and also so relatable. Like, relatable is not the right word, but appealing. They were appealing to me as a 24-year-old. And okay. they're appealing to kids. And I... Yeah. I mean, that's... To hit that kind of universal universality was just... It mm-hmm. was... It, that's great. Um, but let's talk really quickly about... Um, the, a few casts, I mean, we're going to shout out the entire cast because there's six of them. So let's talk about the cast a little bit before we talk about the set and the production design of it. So what did you, what, who did you, I mean, I know who I love from the cast. Yes. But who, who do you want to, who do you want to give a little shout out to in the cast? Well, I hope we won't be doing a double shout out we here. We will be doing a double shout out. I enjoyed all of them immensely. They're all extremely talented. Um, 
well, first I'll say uh, Elena. Uh, she was really good. She was the main character. She was Emily. That played Emily, yeah. Yeah, just really from from the get-go, just had a really good energy. Really believable acting in the beginning. I actually, uh, before I realized where they were going to take the story direction and she was playing violin and kind of pretending to be, you know, a young child learning how to play and was, like, making mistakes, I thought that was just really happening and that the actress herself was making mistakes and once it actually got into what was happening in that scene I was like oh wow and like all of our acting past that was also really believable and lifelike mm-hmm. um so I just really think she was so so good in in her role as that main character as the kid playing this game of pretend and really yeah. propelled the story forward so much at all the time um, Honestly, let's just go down the line. They were all so great. Yeah, we can say. So, I mean, I can say something like I think they were all fabulous. Like what? A yeah, st- let's let's talk what? about like maybe our favorite things. I'm just that... gonna talk. Yeah, I'm just gonna talk about all of them. Like they're, what? They're... What a talented cast that was, and to deal with. And we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about immersion and uh, audience participation, which is a really interesting topic for this show. Like, let's just talk about these. You know, these six people like dealing with. Um, I'll share actually a moment real fast and we'll we'll go back in order because there is a little bit of an order to them but I want to talk really fast about Cameron there's a part in the show spoiler alert where they where they throw beach balls basically um, at the enemy at the enemy pirates or whatnot and there's a there was a moment where of course like all these kids were having the beach balls and they were having such a fun time and there was this little girl she was like two or three and she jumps up on the stage, and she grabs a beach ball, and she kind of runs back to her mom, but she's kind of dancing around, and the mom's letting her. And so Cam- Cameron comes along and says, this would be a really good time for everybody to sit down now. Or it was a lot, it was well, actually he, a lot nicer than that. Well, yeah, he, he, it was, he was in the middle of fighting yeah. Emily, and he was, like, acting all crazy, and he had, like, this wooden like spoon in his mouth and he was running around and he was going to run past the audience in front of her and he said to her now would be a very good time to sit down <laughs> or like you should sit down it was down. not it was a lot nicer than that oh, it yeah. was definitely more like it was very in character it was very like, improv it was, it, was, it was so cool it took me a second to realize exactly what he was doing also cuz i couldn't see the girl but like once you point that out i was like wow that was very like very quick thinking in character to like it, he definitely didn't say. He definitely wasn't like sit down. He was very, yeah, no, he was, was much, he was much nicer than that. And yeah. It was in character, and it was. I just want to like shout out like that was a really cool moment. Um, also, she probably enjoyed that a lot too. Oh, I bet she she did. Probably, oh my gosh! Yeah, he, yeah. He, he told me yeah. something. I mean, she so was many... like too. So you know, we'll see if she retains that. Oh, um, probably not, but there yeah. were so many kids in the audience that just wanted yeah. the attention of th- them, the actors, <laughs> who would get yeah. a little close yeah. to the Yeah, he was front. really animated as the captain. Yeah. Oh, really especially in the very beginning with yeah. the song where he was, like, swinging on the the stage prop at the audience, and it was, like, just looking up at him. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that is pretty close. <laughs> we were actually, we were, so we were in the third row. We were in the third, third row, row right on the side. Which actually got a lot more we were action. Very, yeah, we were than... very close. Well, they really make sure, and that's another thing that we'll talk about in audience participation. But they really managed to get around that entire theater. So let's go. Let's go back for a second. Let's talk about. We're looking at the playbill, so that's the order that we're talking about. So let's talk about Robbie. Uh, what do you want to say about Robbie? He is a fantastic character actor. Just the playdoing of emotions on his face that was exhibited in this short-ish period of time was crazy. Every character that he brought out was just so jumping out of him, almost. And, yeah, just good. It's good. (laughs) I mean, I will say that I had a previous experience with him and Mary, who we'll talk about in a second, um, because I saw them both in Fun Home, so it was such a experience to see Robbie play Roy who is kind of like he is a or sort of a light-hearted character but he is also like there isn't any variation to his face so that was a new thing that happened with this show there was a lot of variation with the face oh yeah with he, the they gave eyes, him 
the mouth just it was going out like the one point he was playing a french guy and he went to say something and he literally took like his mouth and moved it to side to side to say this like two word line i was just like i don't think like that was something that was like noticeable to any kids or anything but i was just like that is a lot of commitment to just like yeah there was there was one point where um it was the second act and they had a song and uh eliana as emily came out and started conducting them and uh, yeah. Robbie didn't have any instrument. He was the only one without an instrument. And then all of a sudden he took out these like little clappers and I lost it. And well, I yeah. was like the only one in the audience who lost it. No, I was too. Oh, it's because lose? he he look, was looking like he didn't have looked, an instrument. Yeah. But then he went to stand up and he opened his mouth like to breathe. But it also looked like he was about to start singing. And then all of a sudden he, he snapped and hunched and had these... Uh, Oh, I little, forget. I'm just calling them clappers. They're yeah, like the little, little like, clap, yeah, the little yeah. hand clappers. It just like snaps to a completely different like gremlin like pose and just started clacking them with like the look on his face that he has with the other characters and it was just like just very perfect and he's just like very in tune with his body. Like I noticed that with his characters, not only would he have these insane facial expressions and like when he was playing a blind guy, he would like point his eyes in specific directions, but also like even his hands would twitch in right moments where like like I said just the characters were just jumping out of his skin and he has a lot of talent to be able to control every aspect of his body while also running around stage with a hockey stick <laughs> just a lot of time it's I, so funny and it, with my my okay. first experience with that actor it was very enjoyable and while he <laughs> might not be from what I've heard that extreme in those kind of characters in other places I'm glad that I did get to see him acting like that and gave me a lot of inspir or gave me a lot of appreciation for uh, what he did there. Yeah, I mean, like, what a, what a joy it was to watch Robbie. And they really gave him, they gave him a lot of character roles. They gave yeah. him the ones that, you know, he had the blind man that, like, hobbled around with a cane and threatened, <laughs> threatened poor Emily. Um, and then he also played played a French man. I think yeah. his there were uh, personas that all of the characters had when they were not breaking the fourth wall, but when they were acting as just players in Emily's. They weren't pirates. They were just people who Emily had made up to play these pirates. Um, I think he was Hispanic. He had like a Hispanic accent. There was some changes there that were hard to follow. That just was the like, only they're... thing that I didn't. But I think he was Hispanic, and then he went French. There was an accent happening. It eventually, he put on a hat. He put on a beret and he started talking with a French accent. I think it was French. It was supposed to just be French, but then it wasn't when he first started. The character wasn't fully realized. Like he had to get into it for a second, and then kind of by the time he put on the beret, it, it was, was all French. French. So maybe put the yeah. putting of the beret on his head kind of like somehow really put him in the zone yeah. um, and rounded out what he was supposed to be. Yes, yeah, yeah. so that was a. A weird character change though it kind of like usually there was yeah. a like snap or like a set change and then everybody was something different but that kind of just like fluidly happened yeah. and it was confusing for a second but that's like what a nitpick that is because oh, the yeah, rest absolutely. of the characters he just he absolutely nailed and it was just you know what an amazing what an amazing actor to watch on stage yeah uh, let's talk about um ty who played uh, Jack Abraham, who was another, who was a pirate. I guess... I guess while we're saying this, they, they have their characters that they have just face value, but they also played... Yeah, it really should, in the parentheses, it really should say, like, eight yeah. more characters, because they were, like, 12, they were so many different characters. I was gonna say, because... She died just, three times. Ty died three times. She was at least three different characters. And then, um, yeah, until she died that third time, I didn't realize it was, like, a trend. Like, I knew her character died, but I didn't, like, it didn't click until she started dying again. I was just like, And I oh, said, yeah. I said to you, I was like, I was like, are they going to really, I was, cause, because she was doing this bit where she was so funny. She, um, so she had died for the third time, and I had remarked to Caleb, I was like, this is the third time that she's died. And Caleb was like, oh, wow, you're right. And then... It was a scene where she was pretending to die like over and over and over again and then she would revive herself 
and then she would die again. And then she would revive herself to say something else, and then she would die again. The very classic, like, (laughs) and my last words dies. But wait, it was I. I yeah. it, it was yeah. very, very. Yeah, and that's when I said to Caleb, "Like, good. didn't she already die three times or two times?" Yeah. And then, and then they made a remark about that on stage. She was like, "She was like, if I'm going to die three times, then my last, the last time I die, I'm going to have a speech." And she was like, "And it was, it's so funny. Like, it's that was, that was like the whole timing of it. Um, who was playing against her during that little moment? I think it was Jameson." It was- yeah, he was, was playing the. Do- I don't know if he was the doctor at that point, but he might. No, have been no, no. Playing. Uh, the he was who was arguing with her was uh, Cameron, who was up. Oh, was it Cameron? Time. Yeah, because he was the one. I know this because his line is the thing that made me unexpectedly laugh. Because they had a lot of moments uh, in in this where they broke the fourth wall to break the tension and also to remind everybody, hey, there's a scene happening, but remember, this is Emily playing pretend, but when she was doing the dying thing and she already like done a couple times and he just blurted out he was just like what are you doing and <laughs> just like how deadpan and also like the sudden breaking of the character voice just like i just yeah. a laugh came yeah. out he puts of on me. a pretty heavy accent so when he's yeah. not putting on that accent it's very stark which is pretty cool yeah everyone else is just kind of like well, I mean, there are really good accents that are there, but everyone's just kind of like, when it goes back, it's like, oh, okay, I got it. But just, yeah, something about him going from, like, this captain, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> it was just, it was very good. Yeah. Ty also did this really, uh, it was this little thing, but at one point, they, they or a couple of points, actually, they brought up this to- talking parrot, and of course they used a stuffed oh uh, parrot to do it. But I really loved her commitment to, like, making a move while, like, the focus was on um, the the one... Mary, I think. Rogue, Mary yeah, Mary, the rogue mm-hmm. uh, pirate and, mm-hmm. and Emily who were talking. But I was still in the corner controlling the parrot, making it flutter, making it talk, and just, like, sitting there up on the set, just, like, making it bounce and stuff like that. And I just was like... Just those little details, sometimes the commitment to doing that instead of just being like, yeah, I'm holding this parrot and then it's going to talk sometimes, but just like, nope, making it flutter. Especially, I think that helped make it more lifelike for the kids who were sitting there, like, just like looking at the parrot. Oh, yeah, that was cute. Watching, because the parrot would, you know, Ty as the parrot would like, uh, did that thing with the parrot suit, which is like they cock their heads a lot. Yeah. And it would be directly at these, there were these two girls who were sitting in front of us who got like a lot of interaction. And that was one of the really cool things that happened is that they got to interact with like the bird. And I can only like commend the commitment of studying how a parrot moves. And like, like you know, the, the that's something that always astounds me about actors. And that's such a, because your brain has to be on all the time. So that's something that like I really admire that, that Ty was able to do is you put like the smallest details in the smallest things like a bird being stationary and not doing anything. And I just think that is amazing that actors, you know, cause I, I can't do that. I can't even act much less like <laughs> pretend that I care about something when I'm not the center of attention. Yeah, I think <laughs> actually I think that's what she did really well. She didn't have aside from like that de- the death scenes that were that were important, that was so good. but also that that final dying scene. Uh, but besides those, she played really good support uh, where her character was just kind of the or her, a lot of her characters were like the support. Like, I'm also the pirate that's mutinying. I'm also doing this. And I think she did really good at being that support and like, I'm a pirate, too, while not like actively trying to be in the spotlight. Like, there's a lot of times I really like even when there's something um going on like two characters are talking there's a main thing happening i always like to look at the other people who are on stage and seeing how they're handling not being in the spotlight like are they still pretending to talk are they standing correctly or do they forget to and uh she was always just on point with facial expressions and reacting to what was happening and and just continuing to be in that moment and that that shows a lot of uh talent to be able mm-hmm. to do that and commit to the bit where all with all these various characters, especially knowing that your character's gonna die yeah. <laughs> again three times. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about um, Jameson, who played. I mean, the big role that he got was he got the doctor. Yeah. Um, with the white wig with like blue, blue streaks. Very cotton candy. And it was a green. It was a green outfit, and I remember it. And he was very funny. 
I like Jameson a lot. I thought that he had a lot of really cool moments. His the other um, character that I remember is he had the eye patch, yeah. um, and the jacket that you really liked. Oh yeah, uh, the, I. <laughs> we'll talk about wardrobe later, but yeah, Caleb he had a very, that jacket. Very sparkly uh, jean jacket that was outfitted uh, and and modified that I enjoyed very much seeing. I really liked his ability to. I believe he w- he was the one playing the accordion, uh, for a lot of the musical. Robbie played it too, but somebody else played it. I don't know who it was. No, the one Rob was playing was the fake one. In a couple of musical numbers, because Ty also played the fake one. The red one that they had was mm-hmm. broken. A couple of them played ah. that, but I could tell by the way they were moving it. Also, they were just. When someone would be fake playing it, they would be pressing the one buttons, but not the keyboard keys. So they were fake. Uh, okay. I, that's why I could tell they were fake playing it. Okay. Um, Caleb's a musician, and I am not. So <laughs> Caleb, cause Caleb is going to tell me. <laughs> uh, I believe I, can't tell. Okay. I believe it was him who was playing yeah. the, the big black yeah. one, because that one was actually producing yeah. sound. Um, well, it says he went to the uh, University of the Arts for musical theater, so... I wouldn't, be, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a lot of experience with instruments. Was he in? He was not. I was going to say, was he well, in once? Well, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I <laughs> believe it was him, but someone was playing the accordion. I yeah. believe it was him who was playing the accordion and also being in character. Uh, and I really like that. That shows a lot of talent, like not only to be a musician playing an instrument and performing, um, but also being in a character and trying to play an instrument. Like it takes a lot of talent to learn how to play an instrument and play it well. I think uh, Jameson did a really good job playing off Mary. I thought that was really yeah. cool because at one point, um, Jameson, as the doctor, was kind of like Emily's advocate and was talking about how he, she was going to shout Palu or something like that, and oh. he would come He would come and rescue her, and there was yes. this whole big story, this whole fantasy he like <laughs> suddenly like went into a soliloquy about. Um, and was just so sad when she tore him down. And then his interaction with Mary as the rebel. Is that uh, Silverman? It only has her first role that she played, which was the which was Mary Ann Evans. But she uh, also played, um, was it Silverbeard or Silver something? And she had a mustache. And she anyway, so she was arguing with Jameson, and I think that those two played well, really well together because some of their bits were like the funniest. I think of like in the second act. I I and. Normally, in a show, you get, like, a second-act slump, but, like, with a kid show, where you lose their attention even faster, they both did a really good job at engaging at engaging dialogue where they didn't really need to interact with the audience because they were so compelling themselves, which is something that I really admired, that they played off so well together. Yeah. Um, and that <laughs> Jameson flew into a soliloquy when no one asked, and if that's not a musical theater thing to yeah. do... That's not a musical theater trope. I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about uh, Mary, who like the who I know from Fun Home. Again, she was adult Allison, um, and had only played like this very serious role where she was some kind, um, sometimes uh, bitingly sarcastic. Um, and that's actually something that I really liked about her character is that she was biting and she was sarcastic. That was a really cool part of her humor. I think where Robbie excelled in characters and um emily uh or eliana as emily played a played a very naive 11 year old and a lot of the humor came out from her kind of being 11 yeah and also being um just like a very genuine naive uh being genuinely naive um mary's came from like a biting sarcastic almost place and she had a few deadpans that were really really funny yeah um she just did a really good job with that. So I saw a little bit of Allison in it, but there were other times where she would let loose and she would be, like, wacky like the rest of the gang, and that was, like, such a joy to watch. And I'm, you know, I don't doubt that this entire cast at some point has been in a very serious role, and then, you know, we're seeing them at their silliest, I guess, in this kids' musical in Treasure Island. Um, And I just think, again, it just speaks to the range of these actors, which is just so impressive and I really really appreciate just like the range that they're able to get like that's just it's a really cool experience especially um when you see them in multiple roles and that's actually why I 
that is why I enjoy certain Broadway actors is because I want to see them in in different roles and it's the same with these people as I've become their fan yeah um, and I want to see them in all these different roles and I've to me it's a really it's really interesting to get to see uh, the same person play a bunch of different ranges of things I think yeah. that's I think that's really cool so I think sometimes it, it with no experience in this no real experience in this realm but I feel like it might often be harder sometimes to bring out that silliness. Like you can learn how to play a realistic character. It's very hard, um, and these people obviously have a ton of training and a ton of experience, and they're so good at the job. But sometimes, or I, I believe that it might often be harder to do something so ridiculous and make it believable. I would agree with that. And fun, and I think that just shows to even more of their talent to be able to throw away any real-life roles that they've had and be make-believe characters from this child's imagination and actively look like they're having fun while they're doing it. I think that Mary did a really good job of doing that, too, with all the characters she played. The first introduction character being this person who just grunted because she lost her tongue. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That first part. They played so many characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, just that and then evolving into all these different and then kind of becoming like a main-ish character of the evil pirate. It was all just like really well done and she did a really good job of, of just playing them all realistically and like inciting a sense of drama within her acting. So let's talk about let's talk about the production of the show. So what did you think of the set design of it? So when I first walked in, I was scared because it looked really small. And I went, oof, this is going to be hard for these. I mean, despite it being a small cast, I'm like, this might be a little too close. But that was exactly what it was meant to portray because the initial scene was set in a, a room. Of, uh, Emily was playing her violin in a room and then once they actually opened it up and started creating more scenes with it and flipping the set around and, and moving it, I went, oh no, this stage is actually like fairly large for all of them. So I thought that was very good, especially when they brought the backdrop in. It was, it was very well designed and, and worked for all the things that they wanted to portray. Yeah, so the set is by Tim Maccabee. Yeah. Um, who has done a whole host of things. Uh, link for his website. Um, in the in the show notes. Oh, we should have an effect for that. Ding. If I if I wanted to spend even longer editing. Um, but I actually thought that the that the set was going to so there's a show that this in the show notes called The Play That Goes Wrong, except it's they did, I think the same company did another show, and it's called Peter Pan Goes Wrong or something like that. And their set is actually really cool. It's a turn turntable, and the set is on a turntable, and there are three different scenes that it cycles. The room, um, their room, the kid's room, and yeah. Peter Pan. And then it goes to, like, a pirate jungle, and then it goes to the pirate ship. And the set turns. And obviously you can guess how the show goes wrong is it just keeps turning and turning and turning and turning, oh, which wow. is such, it's honestly, it's a really cool show. I thought that that's how this show was set. Because when I saw it, and it was just like a little pie chunk of a room, I was like, oh, this set is going to turn. And so that's what I initially thought. But I really liked the way that Tim set up the the fact that they were, they were like little pieces. They were like modules, and they all looked the same. And the only difference was that the backs sometimes were a little different if they needed it. So the two backs for Emily's room were on the back of one of them, of two of them. And then um, for some of them, there was like just like a panel wall, which I guess represented the ship. And it was a really cool way of using that small space and combining them together and then kind of just like running with it. There was like one part where um, they kept continually pushing it in a circle and yeah, scenes were happening. Flight. During the chaos, it was chaos, and which it was kind of, great. Yeah, which kind of emphasized the <laughs> chaos that was happening. It didn't... I think that also helped it being a, a primary, uh, more children-focused show, 
I think in like other plays where like a lot of the time lights tend to go down or like if a scene's going to change, there's a pause. But I think in a children centered show that can easily cause children to start to get restless. So I think the the set design was really brilliant in that it was constantly moving and the supporting cast very fluidly moved the set without it looking like jarring. And I guess that also really fit well into the theme of this is all pretend because that was all Emily's creation mm-hmm. and these characters are in the world yeah. and changing yeah. the world because it's whatever she wants it to be. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a I thought that was a, a brilliant storytelling move. I just think that was so cool. Only added on to the fact that the props, which he didn't have a bio, but I'm pretty sure Chris Haig, who is their master props, their props master, um, did the props um, for this show, which um, I enjoyed. I think that it was a really cool balance of pirate stuff, pirate more realistic barrels and and little plants and uh, sails and tables and chairs that all looked like they belonged on a, on a ship. And then next to that, they would have like these little like toys, like their uh, wheel, their st- the ship steering wheel was like bowling pins and loops. Yeah, it was a on a on a like little like hand cart. Yeah, it was a two frisbees in the middle, yeah. a hula hoop as the kind of circle yeah Yeah, and then all plastic baseball bats of various colors yeah and i guess we should talk about the fact that uh during their fighting choreography they didn't actually use anything pointy they never used a sword i think the most threatening thing that they ever used was like a bat but it wasn't it was a colorful bat so it looked like a wiffle ball bat that two-year-old would use or the uh hockey stick or the hockey you can do some real damage with that (laughs) it was actually that was not a weapon that was the Blind man walking. Cane. It was yeah, a cane, but he yeah. kind of used it threateningly. So I guess close enough. Yeah, but I thought that was I, that was an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, I I no, I mean I don't know. I think I think maybe because plastic swords look. Are, I mean that. I mean obviously that's that would have been their other choice. Probably would have not been to use realistic looking bladed swords. Would probably be to use plastic swords. And honestly, if you're gonna use plastic swords, you might as well say. For me, you might as well say, like, oh, you might as well just, like, go all the way. You might as well just use something that doesn't even look like a weapon. Because if you're, if the point was to, like, not scare children with realistic weapons, you might as well just not use a weapon. You might as well just, like, not use a weapon. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about it, because I know that you you were a little bit hesitant on the using props that weren't actually weapons. Like, the wooden spoon in the mouth that Cameron had. Yeah, I feel slightly differently. I completely appreciate all the props design that they did. I think they were brilliant, and I don't think they were wrong at all. Maybe it's just because the protagonist was supposed to be 11, and they kind of explored the themes of death, and even when they did, like the actors were just like, no, it's just pretend. And for me, I think that was enough, um, being that it's for, like, the protagonist is 11-year-old, and even though there are younger kids there, I feel like with those... The, additions. The additions, the, what was in the script, I think was enough to kind of get that tension off. Um, but I do appreciate the level of detail and the balance that they put into the props. Um, and it also added a level of humor that, that did add to it. Like when they yeah. were like, we're going to fight, and they would have a hairbrush. It was just like, it, it added a lot of, yeah. of flavor to it that I can, I can really appreciate despite the fact that I don't, I, I didn't entirely get it. It didn't yeah. mesh with me there was as well. there was uh the first glimpse of it I saw in the beginning was Robbie had a spatula and I'm like is that a spatula and then he wound up fighting somebody else with a spatula in the end and I thought that was pretty that was pretty funny the first time I noticed it that I was actually confused about that I I understood later was when um they were in like I think a tavern um it was when they first started playing pretend and it's like oh hand me rum. And it was in these plastic bottles, like these water, uh, colorful water bottles. Yeah. And I didn't get what they were doing at first because they didn't present a lot before then. And that was supposed to be, you know, the first hint of this is how we're going to do this. But um, it just kind of confused me at first until, like, I saw all the weapons and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And you start realizing around you, like, 
I remember even before like we even started the play and I guess that was like maybe a little disconnect with you but like you were the one who pointed out the fact that there was a Hello Kitty with an eye patch. It honestly um, <laughs> it is my brain literally not making connections and me just going huh that's silly and then not, I, I do this with media I don't connect the dots like my brain doesn't like to leap to conclusions that's why the end of things always surprise me and people who die it's like always shocking so that's another like oh look at that toy hello kitty like despite the fact that that was placed there for a reason by the set designers I was just like oh, that's neat and then didn't think about the bottles later. so yeah I get that was all really really genius to do that yeah and we want to also show Shout out to the lighting designer. Because, and this is something that I am almost like never aware of. I am almost never aware of lighting because people always say like if it's done right, you don't even notice it. But the lighting design was done by Amanda Jensen. And um, there there were a few scenes that really, the lighting was really cool. I mean, there were a few things that I noticed when people would move from side to side, lights would dim on one side and you would be focused on another side. And I just think, I mean, it's such a small detail and I feel like people might think it's so simple, but that is just such a good cue that you would never realize. I thought that was really interesting. But the other one was with the scenic background, which the playbill is telling me was done by um, scenic artists, Madeline Jones and Anna Webb. And there was a beautiful, really, there was a, there was a really beautiful background that they did, which was a sky. Yeah. Um, which was, was complemented beautifully by Amanda with her lighting, with her soft yellow, with the soft yellow lighting. Yeah. And it was, like, it was, like, magnificent. I kind of wanted them to just stand still for a second so I could, like, look at it. But there was always so much happening. They did a lot of different colored lighting effects that added to the scene depending on what the tension in the scene was. Um, and I thought... It, yeah, that was very good to both have that beautiful painting and then also know and all the testing that went into those different lights and how it made the scene feel. That That's a lot of good artistic direction that way. Yeah. Um, and then let's talk. Uh, I want to talk about the costume with your favorite jacket um, uh, that, uh, that Jameson wore. As the eye patch pirate and some mesh, some and like some, some really long sleeve mesh, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, they, it was really interesting. A lot of costumes. I really, I really like that jean jacket. It was um kind of like glittery on the front. Had some skulls on the back, or some like rib cage skull thing on the yeah, back. Some silver stuff on the back. I yeah. didn't really know what it was, but it was, yeah, it was like a rib cage because someone else also had like the skeletal thing on their back when they were like, I'm oh, that's a, really I'm, cool. I'm a bad pirate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I really, oh, I, man, I really enjoyed. Uh, well, I mean, everything that Cameron's every Cameron costume change was one of my favorites, mostly because yeah. he really played with his hair. And I don't know who I have to thank with for that. But oh, his yeah. hair in the different styles were a constant source of entertainment to me. I would like constantly look over and I'm like, oh, he is like a high pony now. Yeah, I remember. Oh, I hear he you. has like a little bun now. Oh, his hair's down. Oh, his hair's up again. I just, it sounds weird, but I really like sometimes like what people can do with hair. And on Broadway, they always say that everybody is wigged. But in this case, like that was his hair and it was fabulous. Yeah. And his hair is, you know, He's like oh. he had it in a beanie at one point. That was interesting. And it was funny because he has a lot of hair. So it was like it, standing straight up. And it was great. That, I think that was one of his like first uh, yeah. costume changes. And he came out and it just like this gigantic like foot long beanie that cont- like contained all of his hair. And it made me laugh because it was just very like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's where it all went. Um, it was just very, very silly. Yeah, but the the um the costumes uh I really liked Mary's as well Mary's costumes as well. Oh yeah. Um, because Mary played like a, a late like a lady to the first pirate, and then she played a man like a super hardcore pirate. That was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. What did you think of the costumes? Uh, I thought they were all really, really well designed. Some. So they like there was only a few that I was, it didn't feel piratey enough for me. They were all like extremely good. Like I think maybe like that beanie one that 
I think it maybe was party enough, but not for me. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like you saw the bagginess of it, and you were just like... Yeah, because it was like a sweater, but it had a design on it that I think was trying to emulate those pirate feels, but it was like the... It, it just... It felt like a homey kind of costume, but that was just like... That was a very quick costume design that also went by really fast, and then it was all just like... I think it was a. I think it was a little bit. I think it maybe that a little bit of the approach of it also kind of was half and half. Yeah. Kind of like we want this to be much like the set design as well, but you know much um, like the story being you know half in fourth person or half True. breaking the fourth wall. It was meant the costumes were meant to be very half and half, which is half in reality and half pirate. Yeah. Um, I really liked, man, I liked the jacket that Cameron wore. Yeah. It was a leopard print, England. It was so good. Man, I want that. I want, like, four of them. And yeah. different, with different flags. Like, and also, they were just so, they were just so, it was such a creative kind of thing. I know that when you're given a blank palette of, like, I want half pirate and half, uh, half, half pirate and half normal person, uh, this is for a, a, a a children's show, um, the main character is 11. Yeah, I was going to say, whatever an 11-year-old think, thinks, like, a pirate is, is, but also, like, whatever an 11-year-old thinks is cool. Yeah. So it's like that, like, yeah. okay, like, all right, Timmy, wear whatever you want to today. And it's just, like, all mishmash <laughs> and, like, horrible looking, but it's what they think is cool. I think they probably got a lot of inspiration from that kind of And just, somehow like, the outfit's cool. Like, yeah. They look like an 11-year-old cobbled them together, but they also looked... Like, I would buy them. I would buy them as clothes. Also, Mary's uh, peg leg. Uh, that like, was a cool effect. A painted wooden sock, and then also a boot that was also really well painted that really looked like it could just be a wooden leg that was there by, like, the cutoff yeah. from the boot. It Did was... you see Ty's arms with her oh, tattoos? Tat- yeah, they were I know. sleeves. Yep, and yeah. they were sleeves, and I thought that they were painted on for a second, but they were so they blended in so well, but yeah. it was a sleeve mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was she cool. had on. I just thought that the costuming was so go- cool. Yeah. Um. So let's. I want to talk about the immersion of this show because uh, there are a few different things that we can talk about. We can. T- I want to talk about. Uh, let's just lay them out right now. I would like to. T- I want to talk about like how the kids may have affected your your experience, and I also want to talk about how they broke the fourth wall a lot and how you felt about that, and, like, what the, you know, let's let's talk about, like, let's talk about the first thing. Let's talk about the fact that it was a children's show. How did you feel about all the kids in the audience? So, it affected me less than I thought it was going to. They were children, and they were ever-present, as they usually are. But I don't, I don't think, maybe I was just around a lot of mostly well-behaved children, uh, but I think they didn't distract me too much from enjoying like the acting that was going on and it was kind of nice to see them get like rewarded for being like peaceful in a theater by being able to throw beach balls which they were all very excited about (laughs) and I think all that energy that they've been holding in for just the briefest period of time was really let out um especially considering that segment went on really long it went a lot longer than I thought it would I, yeah, I think they had to help them get it out, and then by the time they were doing, like, okay, we're going back on stage, we're acting, and some of the kids are like, no, I one more, and, like... That moment where one of the kids actually next to us... Yeah. Um, ...threw a ball at Robbie, and Robbie did, like, a backbend to- Robbie dodged it like he was in a dodgeball tournament, like, arced his back, and, like, also staying in character and making this crazy (laughs) face and, like, made this, like, sound. And then he pointed at the audience. He gave, like, a little, like, he gave, like, oh, you didn't get me. Yeah. And I lost it again. It It was so fun. I think the moments where it's mostly improv, but it's, like, kind of, where sometimes it's an, where sometimes it's an improv moment. I think I, I always, like, get the most enjoyment out of moments like that. What a... I mean, like, it's... It was funny. Yeah, it was It was good. funny. That's all I can say. It was one of the funniest... It was one of the funniest parts of the show, and it wasn't scripted. And I just... It just speaks to the actor's abilities that, you know, any moment can be turned into something great. Yeah. Um. Well, what did you... I mean, so I thought... What I thought about... What I thought about the kids was um, I thought that, I mean, I'm very hyper aware of everyone. Um, and there's always like a really healthy balance in between audience and 
and not having an audience, like if I were to sit in a theater alone, honestly, um, if I could, most of the times when I go to Broadway, I spend so much money. If there could be nobody around me for a good three seat radius, that would be great. (laughs) Um, Because people are usually really obnoxious, but I actually really found this audience participation to be really funny. I just really enjoyed the fact that they were having a good time, and so the energy was pouring back into the actors, and it was kind of pouring into me. I really just didn't, it didn't bother me as much as, for example, I went to a concert the other week, and the mom in front of me was on her phone the entire time. The entire time. And you know, I could tell what songs that the art, it was Ben Platt's concert, Ben Platt's great. She was on her phone and I could tell which Ben Platt song she liked. You know why? Because she was on her phone for the ones that she didn't like. And she was off her phone for the ones she did like. And it was in the Met. It was like in a theater. And um, anyway, if you're on your phone, I'll chuck it off the balcony. I will do that. Do not bring your phone to the theater. Don't be on your phone in the theater. Thank you. PSA. But, you know, none of the kids were like that. I think we always make fun of of kids like being on their phones nowadays. All the kids in the theater were very respectful. Um, yeah, when we when we got there and initially saw the pouring in of the children and their parents, we went, oh boy, this will surely be a hoot and a holler. But it ended up just being fine. I think all the children were pretty captivated by what was happening. There's, of course, some outbursts. There are also a lot of babies, so I hope they enjoyed it. They didn't get much participation aside from crying every once in a while, like they do. Um, but besides that... Like, I think I've heard more, like, children outbursts at, like, restaurants and stuff. So I think they probably did a really good job at uh, capturing the kids' attention with all the uh, things that they were doing up there, even when there wasn't direct participation. Uh, So that that means there was a really good level of immersion there for these little beings who need their attention captured at all times. Yeah. Well, like I, like I said, um, I really enjoy, I was always, I was definitely a lot more hyper aware than you were. Um, and I didn't ruin, like I didn't ruin my experience just because I knew it was a kid show and I knew they were supposed to be there. So it definitely didn't bother me as much. It was almost like I was in their, on their terms. So if I was going, you know, to a more serious play like the one I did last episode, which was at Theater Exile, Among the Dead, I would have been maybe a little bit more upset if there had been kids there, like acting out. Also, I bet it would have been like, why are you, why is this five-year-old child at a play about comfort women? Please, this child probably shouldn't be here right now. I don't even know if they would retain the memory of this show. Best not to traumatize them with gunshots, like, basically. But I was always very hyper aware, so I can like tell you what was happening. Like next to us, to our right, were adults. To our left was a younger girl who was like six or seven, and she was real into throwing the beach balls, and she was also real into asking asking questions at the end as well. But there were two girls in front of us um, who were with their mothers, who were getting like cut. they were the only people on like our extreme side because behind them was us, and then the adults on who were next to me. So they got a lot of the attention of the actors on the wings. And then there was a kid behind me who was so young that he could barely weigh down the seat of the, of the theater seat. And his his younger sister, who was even younger, who cried, who cried during the first number, but was pretty well behaved after that. Mm. She was a cute girl. She had nice curls. But, like, I am very hyper aware of yeah. everybody in the theater. And for this, it did not bother me because I almost saw it. I feel like that the kids are almost part of the experience because it's a kid show. So I almost had, I basically had no problem with them. I enjoyed experiencing it with them because we're old and we're cynical. Well, yeah, that's why the two, the two girls in the front row probably stared back at us. These two, like, not adult look, almost adult looking people with no children. And they just, like, spent a good amount of the time before the show started just, like, a foot in front of us just staring at us like they do like kids do and it was just i'm so glad that kids like them can go to theater and i'm glad that they're being exposed to shows like this i'm glad the Arden did something like this but do we want to talk about how they broke the fourth wall a lot i wanted to know what you thought about that because so the reason that they broke the fourth wall a lot is because there were a lot of young kids there 
So if somebody died, they would break the fourth wall and they would say, oh, well, this, well I'm not really dead. And they would like, come on, they'd be like, I'm not really dead. And in their normal breaking the fourth wall voices. And they would also, you know, there were also the jokes like, you know, like, you know, why are you monologuing while you're, you're supposed to be dead? Like, end the speech. And there were cool parts like that. Did that take you out of the musical? No, I don't. I don't think it did because I think I noticed the importance of it. It actually kind of gave me a reminder because there were some times where I did forget that they were playing pretend just by like how long a scene would go on with people pretending to be pirates that I'm like, okay, after a minute or two, I was like, these are the characters. This is what is happening in front of me right now. And then when they would break the fourth wall, I'm like, oh yeah, the plot of this is that it's Emily playing pretend. Like after they stopped having these moments where Emily's mom would be in the background talking to her and it was just pirate action that was totally kind of wiped from my mind as I was just enjoying the what was being presented. Um, so I think it did a good job in probably not only quelling any anxiety that kids were experiencing when there was some form of tension, um, but also bringing back the kind of main focal point of the story is that this is a story, this is Emily's story, and this is us reminding you that this is all in our imagination and we're breaking the fourth wall to remind you because we've been doing a lot of silly stuff for a while yeah i i agree i agree with that i think that what you said where it was actually a part of the narrative and wasn't just like she was breaking the fourth wall for no reason yeah it wasn't just we were in that fantasy so i guess you're right so it didn't it didn't bother me as much because i actually find things like that really funny because i find it like is a form of like dead to me it's like deadpan humor like somebody's like in a silly accent then all of a sudden we're talking like you know, we have no accent and we're just kind of casually talking to each other like we're actors. Yeah. I think that there's like a really funny like fourth wall kind of comedy there, which is similar. It happens in, I guess it, it doesn't happen in Noises Off, but Noises Off is a really good play that's for adults and also really funny um, where they basically go through a whole show. So the first the first episode is they're going through rehearsal. The first act of Noises Off is they're going through the rehearsals and then the second act is the show from the backstage and then the show and then the third act is the show is the same show that they do from the front of the stage yeah and it's a really cool like fourth wall break and it's a really interesting mechanic and to me that kind of fourth wall humor is like my favorite kind of thing which is why i I think i enjoyed the fourth wall breaks maybe more than they took me out of the experience i don't think they really took me out of the experience too much yeah so do you have anything else to talk about that you want to talk about with the show? No, uh, I just, I generally enjoyed it. It was it was a fascinating experience, uh, but just to reiterate from my recap that I gave about it at the very beginning, if you like children-centered things, or if you have a child, or you know a child who enjoys things, <laughs> generally, um, I think that is, is how you'll get the most out of this experience. I went there with a pretty open mind, and like enjoyed myself but I guess if you have a big distaste for children-centered shows and media it might be harder for you to enjoy it because it's very centered in that way but overall it just despite that being a 24 year old with no children uh, I still really appreciated everything that they put into it and the amount of talent that was present there just a very very enjoyable time for a first kind of local local event yeah i the arden man has some really good shows we'll definitely have to take you to like another musical maybe wow a musical hopefully where i don't have to worry about cursing or or saying uh potentially vulgar vulgar things while it is happening Um, with the children present around me it wasn't that hard but there are a few times where i went to make a comment went oop (laughs) <laughs> maybe not <laughs> yeah um so i just want to talk about um treasure island uh was originally from april 3rd to june 9th but they have been extended to june 16th because it's so great yay so um we i'm gonna try and get this podcast out in like two days um and we'll i i highly encourage you guys to go see this i think that it is a kid-centered show um, and it's definitely, there are elements of, you know, fourth wall breaks and everything, but it is, to me, for all ages. Um, I, so I hope you guys get a chance to go out and see this show. Yeah. Caleb, thank you for being on this podcast. Would you like to plug anything? Oh, goodness. 
I have an art Instagram that I try to update sometimes if anyone is interested. Uh, it's a Paulo Peach at Instagram. That's about it. I just bake. Uh, and I bake <laughs> cool things. And that's kind of what my thing is now. Um, you should make a baking Instagram. Oh, I'll get there. I have to... <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> I'm mostly working through a company right now. I'll I'll get my I'll get my own footing someday soon. And maybe <laughs> I'll plug it then. But yeah. now I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah. Well that's great. Thank you for sitting down with me at nine thirty at night to record this podcast. <laughs> it's great having you. Um we'll see you all we'll see you all in a in maybe two weeks or maybe a week. I don't know. I am very much about getting these podcasts out um while the show is still on so that I can recommend but it doesn't make for a very sustainable schedule we'll see but if you just keep on uh keep on my social medias which are always all in the links captive audience basically everywhere um you'll get you'll get an update but uh still working on the still working on the site still working on the blog especially because it looks like garbage so thank you for uh, bearing bearing with me um and maybe we'll see you in a week maybe we'll see you in two weeks but uh, i'll have a new guest and uh, we're going to go see Arden. We're going to go see another Arden show. We're going to go see Indecent. So you have that to look forward to. Normally, I don't know the next show we're going to see, but pretty sure it's going to be Indecent. Thank you for listening today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.